Good morning. How's everybody doing? Aren't these guys awesome? I think George gets better every time he's up here. It's so cool. I, I literally have to brace myself from rushing the stage as I'm standing back there worshiping. Well, it's Memorial Day weekend, right? Um, you know, our country stops to remember the men and women that have died and given their lives for our country. And so it's a great weekend to remember that, remember the freedoms that we enjoy and we take for granted. Or if you live in Miami, it's hip hop weekend, right? Urban Beach Week, the largest urban festival in the world. I Googled that. I didn't know that. Um, So if you want to get your urban on, hit South Beach after the service. But speaking of remembering, of memorial, I remember there was a time in my life about 11 or 12 years ago, before I was in full-time ministry, um, before I was married to my beautiful wife, uh, I had recently started a business. It was, uh, I did websites, I designed logos and printing and stuff for people. I was 21 I was experimenting as an entrepreneur, and my business was going great. It was awesome, but summer came along. And then everything came to like a screeching halt, like a week or two went by, no money, no one called, my phone didn't ring. All this prosperity that I was enjoying stopped. And so I'm like, well, I help companies make money by designing things for them. Let me design a brochure and some flyers for myself and let me hit the streets. And I went door to door. I went to like warehouse districts and business districts and I just knocked everybody that had a door and there was people there. I offered my services and you know what? It worked. I generated new customers and one company in particular, I mean, was amazing. It was this construction company. They were experiencing this boom in their business. And I got there at the perfect time. They didn't have signs. They didn't have signage on their vehicles. And so I walked in. I designed their logo. I did their website, their business cards. I mean, everything that they needed, I provided for them, which means that I was there a lot. And I became friends with these construction workers. And uh, one day I'm there and, and I'm like, hey, excuse me, bro. It's, it's my girlfriend. Let me pick up the phone. And he's like, yeah, 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 don't worry about it. You know, laid back guy. And so I answer the phone and I talk to my girlfriend for a little while. And uh, or not a little while, real quick. Hey, babe, what do you need? Oh, okay, well, all right, I love you. Bye. And I hang up and he looks at me. And he says, oh, you never told me you had a girlfriend. You have a girlfriend. And I'm like, yeah. And then he asked me a question in Spanish. He goes, está buena. Um, if you don't know what that means, the best translation that I could give you is, is she hot, right? But that's not really what it means. Um, and I respond that she's beautiful. I love her. To which she says, well, if you're telling me you love her, she must be awesome in bed. And at that moment, time stood still for me. This giant construction worker and the 10 other perverts that worked with him, they're all there salivating, waiting for me to give them some sort of detail about my relationship with my girlfriend. And then I responded, uh, I said, I don't know, I, I've never slept with her. And he's like, oh, so you just met, right? Because I slept with my wife the first day that I met her. And I honestly, I just thought he was going to leave it there and just say, oh, so you just met her. So how about these business cards that I need, right? No. And uh, he kept asking and he was just trying to be friendly. He was trying to, you know, have guy talk. And, and I said, no, I, I didn't just meet her. I've actually been dating her for six years. And at that moment, this huge construction guy looks at me and yells, Six years? What in the beep are you waiting for? To which I looked at him and I said, "Uh, we're waiting until we get married. And the guy now stands up in front of his desk and 
leans over his desk and looks at me straight in the face and says, So you are a virgin? And at that moment, this guy starts cracking up and the 10 guys in his office are dying laughing. And I'm not going to lie to you, I wanted to cry. (laughs) I felt like the kid in second grade that beat his pants in front of the whole class. And then when they caught their breath, he looked me dead in the eyes and said, why? And at that moment, I proudly responded five words to him. And I said, because I am a Christian. And I shook his hand and I told him, your job will be ready by the end of the week. And I walked out of his office. And from that day forward, I wish I could tell you that it got better, but it didn't. Every single time I walked through the doors of his company, every time I called on the phone, they referred to me as El Virgen. And so I'm calling a blank and blank construction company. And I'm like, hey, it's Mark. Uh, Can I talk to this guy? And she's like, sure. Oh, yeah. Hey, Virgen. And uh, we've all had moments like this in our life when we felt harassed. Times when people have laughed at us, like you guys are laughing at me now, right? Times when people have called us names. Times when people have talked behind our back. Times when we've been mistreated because we're different. Even times when people have mocked us because we're Christian. Many of us, we've had friends that have rejected us. Family members that have rejected us because we have decided to follow Jesus and live for Jesus. And it hurts. Maybe you've cried Maybe you've been depressed at times. Maybe you've even retaliated. And the truth is this. It sucks to be that guy or that lady. And that's what we're going to talk about today. See, we're ending this series called The Contrarian's Guide to Happiness. There's this myth out there that says that in order to be happy, you must be approved by everybody. But that doesn't work, does it? You just can't please everybody. Can I get an amen from the dads in the room, right? You can't please everyone. Now I have, I'm proud to say that we're a family of five. It's me, my wife, two boys, and a little girl. And it doesn't matter where we're going. We could be going to Chuck E. Cheese. And somebody's not happy about the fact that we're going to Chuck E. Cheese. You can't please everyone. And you know what? Jesus, he was a realist when he was here on earth. He was very honest about the consequences that we would have if we decided to follow him. He said, if you follow me, there are going to be people that don't approve of this decision. They're not going to like it. And if you're living life like we've been studying in these Beatitudes for the past couple of weeks, expect some people to be upset. So Jesus, in his closing statements, Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 10, he says these words. He says, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. If you'd stop there, give me your attention. You know when I read this for the first time, you know what I wanted to tell God? I wanted to tell him this. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you what you what you talking about, Willis? When I when I read this verse for the first time, I'm like, what you talking about, Jesus? And you know what? I'm sure that when Jesus was sharing this with the multitude that was there that day, there had to be someone that stood up and said, what you talking about, Jesus? In Hebrew, of course. Because he says it again. He repeats it. He says, happy are you. In verse 11, when people insult you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely, rejoice. 
And be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. You know what? Jesus gives more emphasis to this one beatitude than any of the other ones. And he actually personalizes it. Of all the beatitudes, this one says, you. Now, all the, all the other beatitudes, you know, they deal with the character of a Christian. And this last one kind of sums it up and says, hey, if you do those seven things, get ready because the world is going to treat you differently. The world is not going to be happy about that. Jesus is saying here, happy and healthy are those who can handle rejection. He's saying happy and healthy are those whose beliefs are so strong that they could withstand any attack. I'm sorry to tell you that if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, there's no way around it. The first feeling in your outline is this yellowish paper you got when you walked in. It's this, number one, there will be persecution. In verse 11, it says, when men insult you, it's going to happen. Notice, he doesn't say if you're persecuted, if you're insulted, but when you are persecuted. And I want you to circle that word and be prepared. Don't be caught off guard. As the world begins to get more secular and more secular, as the world continues to draw further and further from God and his principles and his word, it's going to get harder for Christians. Jesus doesn't say if you're harassed. He says when you are harassed. That is a reality and we need to understand that. We need to also understand this. Number two, the reason that people persecute you, Jesus is the reason. It's because of Jesus. Verse 11 says this, because you are my followers. See here, he's not talking about sexual harassment or racial harassment or being put down because you're obnoxious. You know, sometimes people set themselves up to be martyrs. And I'm sure all of us know people like that. They're just irritating or they're so stubborn or they're so nosy. And then they wonder why people put them down. They put them down because they're obnoxious. Here, Jesus is not talking also about Christians who like they're self-righteous and they're like offensive when they're speaking to people about the Lord and about his word. You know, like this guy here in the picture, you know, people that stand around in the corners like that, you know, saying turn or burn. You're going to die and fry. He's not talking about that. You know, this guy, I'm sure he gets home every day. Oh, you know, I'm enduring the persecution. He's putting himself in that position. You know, there's also people that say you're bad and I'm godly and God has called me to tell you how horrible you are. I got an email from a guy a few months ago and he was just bashing me because I was putting verses up on my Facebook that weren't out of the King James Version. And this was my response. These are several communications I've had with this guy about this. And I'm like, dude, you know, the King James Version was translated in 1611. All right. Most of my friends live in Hialeah or were born in Hialeah. They could barely speak English. I'm just trying to use a translation, a modern translation that they can understand. And I thought that was going to shut him up. And, and then he, he responds. He says, I feel like I'm being persecuted by everyone at Calvary because I'm spreading the truth. And then this just put la tapa en el pomo, the, the lid on the jar or whatever. I said, you're not spreading truth. You're just being a jerk. And uh, he unfriended me after that. And here's the truth. There's a reason that Christians will experience 
harassment and persecution. And John 15 says this, No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Jesus is telling us this plain and simple. They did it to me. They're going to do it to you. And there's something else that we need to be clear about. When the Bible says rejoice, God's not really calling us to be crazy people and say, yes, I love it when this is happening to me. He's saying, when you're, when you're being harassed for the right reason, okay? Not because you cut a finger off or not because, you know, you broke your leg. Oh, yes, thank you, Jesus, because my leg is broken. And there's people like that. Oh, I thank the Lord because my leg's broken. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying when bad things happen to you because of me. See, and here's the thing. You know why evil people don't like Jesus and why they attacked him? And why the media is merciless when it comes to Christians. All right. If a pastor does something that's wrong, it's on the news immediately. Right. If, and it's, it is wrong. You know, if the pastor does something that's wrong, you know, steals money, sleeps with some woman. But if the bartender down the street does it, that doesn't make the news. Right. Because it's not news. You know, they can't really hurt Flanagan's because their bartender's sleeping around with all the sad women that come to drink beer there or whatever. You know, the world crucified Jesus, and the truth is that we crucify him probably even faster if he was here today. It's because people are uncomfortable with goodness. They didn't like him, and sometimes they're not going to like us. And you know why? Because the more light that there is in your life, the more the darkness that's in other people's lives will be brought to light. Second Timothy says this, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And it doesn't say that he might be. It says that he will be. I asked my friend Miguel to help me out with this illustration. And you know what? Who can agree that the world is negative? Who can agree? Come on, you can talk back. Is the world negative? And if we're followers of Jesus, you know what that, that makes us? That makes us positive. And Miguel, what happens when negative and positive come together? There's a spark. There's fire. All right? If I would grab a piece of paper and put it in between those things, what would happen? There would be fire. There's going to be tension. Thank you. Give it up for, for Miguel. Thank you. And the world can't stand anybody that's different. You know what? Jesus didn't fit the mold. He wouldn't do what the Pharisees wanted him to do. He wouldn't compromise. He wouldn't, he wasn't flexible when it came to that. Yeah, he did eat with the sinners. He did tell Zacchaeus, the thief, and say, hey, you know what? I want to have dinner in your house. He was flexible when it came to that. But when it came to compromising what the word of God says, he said, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And what did they do? They killed him. And maybe you're here today and you've been hearing this say, Mark, you know what? I don't need this message, Mark. You know, it's Memorial Day and I just wanted to come to church real quick before I jumped in the ocean so no sharks would eat me or something. And so I'm here. I don't need that message. The truth is nobody ever harasses me because I'm a Christian. And you know what? That probably just tells you that you're no different than anyone else. God is saying to you and to me, if you live godly lives, you will be persecuted. If you're not being harassed, it means that there's nothing different in you. They're not seeing anything that's different. And so this is our reality. This is our reality that, yes, there is going to be tension. There's going to be sparks when we enter our negative office, when we enter our negative family parties at time. There is going to be sparks. 
And what do we do when we are persecuted for our faith? The first thing that we need to do is we need to recognize the source. Ask the question, where is this coming from? Ephesians chapter 6 says this, We're not fighting against human beings, but against wicked spiritual forces. The other day, I went to the park with my boys. And they have this like red Lightning McQueen Power Wheels car. And, and every time we go to the park, this is our rule. We can go to the park, but you need to share with the other kids that are going to be there. And we actually have this conversation the whole way to the park for like 10 minutes. And I'm like, so what are you going to say if a little boy says, oh, can I ride your car? You say, is it okay with your mom? You know, or if you want to ride it a little bit more, you say, you know what? I'm going to take one more lap around the park. Then you could ride my car. See, I've tried to teach my kids to be nice, to be generous, to share And the reason is I don't want them to be attached to earthly things. And you know what's awesome? They're better at it than I am. Sometimes I see the way they are. I'm like, I wish I was a little bit more like them. And so we pull into the park. And as soon as we pull into the park, let me tell you something. My kids rule the park with that little red car. And all by themselves, they start these rotations with the kids around them. Like, okay, you're going to go next and whatever. And, and, and I let them, I let them, you know, I let them like, you know, just let loose and, and, and be able to work with other people. And they're just three and five years old and, and they do a pretty good job. But one of these days, there was this kid that was there. He was about seven years old, bigger or eight years old. And, and he drove the car more than anyone else. I, I think I have a picture those are my kids there in the back and there's like a little girl driving their car and they're like, ah, and they jump on it, you know, so. But, but this day, this kid's driving their car and I'm looking and as long as they're okay with it and nobody's fighting, I'm fine, you know, figure it out. And while this kid's driving the car around and around and around the playground, my kid's car, okay, this kid had a beat up skateboard, jacked up skateboard, wheels are all wobbly and stuff. And my son, Joshy walks over And stands on the skateboard and tries to figure it out. He's only three years old. And this seven-year-old kid jumps out of Joshi's car, runs over to Joshi, and pushes him off the skateboard and says, that's mine. And at that moment, I'm sitting there, and I'll be honest with you, I was waiting for Joshi to punch the kid in the face. But his mom has taught him better. And uh, and so I walk up to Joshi, and, and he's crying. And he looks at me. He doesn't say anything, but he looks at me. And I could swear if I could read his mind, he was telling me, your way doesn't work. And I was broken. I see my kid. I just wanted to strangle this. Could you imagine if I would have punched that kid in the face? The headlines on the paper, Calvary Fellowship pastor punches seven-year-old in the face. Because it would have made the paper the next day, I promise. Um, but, uh, but no, I carry Joshua. We go to the bathroom and I'm trying to clean him off. And I'm, what am I going to tell this kid? And then I tell him, hey, you know what, Joshua? Papi tells you to share and mommy tells you to share and to be nice and that God likes it when you share your stuff. This kid's parents have never done that. And that's why he doesn't know how to share. We need to recognize the source. What is the reason? Why are these people saying these things, these mean things towards us? And here's the reality. The devil is God's enemy. If you're a parent... I can hurt you. I can hurt any of you here, right? Directly pop your tires, say gossip about you. But you know what hurts a parent more than a punch in the face or popping their tires or talking bad about them? Do something to their kids. 
See, the devil, he can't get to God. But he can get to you and he can get to me. Revelation 12 says this, Satan is the accuser of the brethren. That person that's harassing you at work, that family member that makes fun of you behind your back, they're not the real problem. Recognize the source. That guy that called me a beat hang, he wasn't the real problem. The second thing we need to do is we need to refuse to retaliate. Romans 12, 17 and 19 says, If someone does evil to you, don't pay, don't pay him back with evil. Never take revenge. Let God's wrath do it. Remember who your enemy is. Remember who that person is. And they're just a pawn. They're being used by the devil. In the Bible, Jesus was accused of being a drunk. He was accused of being a glutton and a wine bibber. You know what that means? All right, for the urban weekend people. They, they, they were saying that Jesus was a party animal. And you know what Jesus did? He never fought back. He refused to retaliate. The third thing that we need to do is we need to respond positively. Romans 12, 21 says, don't, over, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by evil. God's trying to protect you and me. He's saying, I want you to be happy. And if you allow evil to overcome you, you won't be happy. And you know what? That's not our, our normal reaction. All right? That's not what we're taught. Guys, that's not what your dad and your mom teach you. Probably just the dads. They're like, you know, you know what I was taught? Never hit first. But if they punch you, kick them in the nuts. That's what I was taught as a boy. Never hit first. But if they punch you, if they hurt you, you get them back. Don't stay hit. How many have ever heard that? Don't stay hit. But here's the thing. We never get ahead by getting even. If you're always trying to get ahead, you're never going to be happy. You know, I have, I have a bunch of sisters, but I have two younger ones. And uh, when we were kids, I would tease them all the time. And I learned something. I liked it. You know, I, I liked bugging them. And so I learned something that when they started reacting to what I was saying, I was in control of the situation. Because they were all mad and irritated, and I was just sitting there. Ha, 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 Look at your hair. You know, look at your Cuban mustache. You know what I'm saying? Stuff. They're like, ha, 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 All right? So how do you respond? How do you respond? They don't have mustaches. They wax them. Um, <laughs> Matthew 5, the person laughing, I don't know. Take a look at them after. Um, Matthew 5 says this, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. Let's read that together. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And you know what? It sounds easy because sometimes this is what you want to do to people. Sometimes people are bothering you, and that's, a, that, that's not real. I have this app on my phone. I was bored. I was waiting for a bus while I was on vacation. And uh, yes, she didn't do anything to me. But, but there's people sometimes that bother you, and you just want to throw a giant boulder on their head. And God's telling us, don't do that. Respond positively. When people put you down, build them up. When people hassle you, be nice to them. Don't retaliate. The moment that you start to retaliate, you know what happens? Now they are in control. One of the greatest principles in life that you need to learn is this. You, can't, you can control your reaction, 
That's the one thing that's under your control. But you can't control the things that happen to you. You can't control the things that people say about you. You can't control the events, the persecutions, the hassles you'll get. But you can control how you choose to react. You can control how you choose to respond. So respond positively. Love them. Pray for them. Pray for their good. Pray for God's will in their lives. The fourth thing that we need to do is we need to rejoice over it. Matthew 5, 12. We've read it. We're going to read it again. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. He's not saying rejoice in pain. He's saying rejoice when people put you down for your faith. Not because you're being obnoxious or pushy, but because you're being like Jesus, which means that you will be, will be different. He says, don't complain. Celebrate. Celebrate. And why should we rejoice? It's because it means, and this is like one of my favorite parts of the whole message. It means that God's spirit can be seen in your life. When someone persecutes you for being a Christian, you're like, yes, they're seeing Jesus in me. They're seeing Jesus in my life. First Peter four says this. If you're insulted because of Christ, you are blessed for God's spirit rests on you. Say that with, say this with me. God's spirit rests on me. God's spirit rests on me and think about that next time you're being persecuted next time someone's saying something hurtful towards you because of jesus just say god's spirit rests upon me what a privilege for the spirit of god to rest on us you're not being persecuted because you want to be you're being persecuted because they see jesus in you and so you have to ask yourself can anybody tell that i'm a christian and if they can't you got to ask, what's wrong with me? Why can't anyone tell that I am a believer? You know what? The world did not love Jesus because he was perfect. Nobody can stand perfect people because it shows them how imperfect the rest of them are. Have you ever walked into a room, all right? In the middle of the night, you're in your house and you're looking for something and then you turn on the light and what happens? You're like, whoa. You know, sometimes when I'm walking from the outside to backstage and I walk in, it's so dark back there. You know, or I'm walking out. It hurts my eyes when I see the light. Today, I'm getting ready for church and I turn the light on in my room. And my wife is like, turn off the light, honey. It woke her up from her sleep. That's what happened to the world. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. And when he came into the world, you know what happened? They, they freaked out. They recoiled. They jumped back. John 3 says this. Men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. God's spirit can be seen in your life. And if people are insulted because of Christ, you're blessed. You are blessed. You know what? Today we have too many secret agent Christians, undercover Christians. And you don't know that they're really a Christian or not. They may say they're Christians. They may show up at church. They may have churchianity, but they don't have Christianity. They may have religion, but they don't have a relationship with God. And it's like, you know, there's people that go around, and, and, and this drives me nuts. They're like, my life is my witness. 
You know what? That's a, that's a very egotistical statement to say that, that my life is my witness. So what you're really trying to say is, I'm so much like Jesus. When I walk into a room, people fall on their knees and they, and they repent. You know what? Even Jesus had to tell them. Imagine if Jesus would have just walked in the world and been like, There wouldn't have been a New Testament. If Jesus wouldn't have opened his mouth, we would not be here today. So you may walk around being real nice and people will just think you're a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout. Man, they're just so nice. Can you tie this knot for me? See, a nice moral person is awesome, but you have to tell them. We need audio and visual Christians, people that walk the walk and talk the talk. You got to tell them and you have to show them. Let me ask you a question. And this may happen. All right. There's like a 70% chance tomorrow the president's going to go on TV. He's going to say, oh, we thank all the people that have given their lives for this beautiful country. And now I want to let all you Christians know from today forward, it's going to be illegal to be a Christian in the United States of America. Would there be enough evidence to convict you? If you were put on trial for being a Christian, could they prove it? Or would there just be circumstantial evidence? Think about that. The other reason that you should rejoice is B. It means that God can trust you. It means that God can trust you. Acts 5, 41 says this. The apostles were full of joy. That God considered them worthy to suffer disgrace for Jesus' name. You know what? God considers you worthy. What an amazing thing. Isn't that what we want as children of our parents for them to look at us and say, you are worthy. You can do it. That's what we want. And God is looking at you in in these moments when people test our faith. He's saying, you know what? I consider you worthy. You know, as Christians in America... We know so little about persecution. It's so easy for us. Yet around the world, thousands of Christians are dying every single day for Jesus. I got a phone call the other day that informed me that some missionaries that my wife and I support have been attacked by terrorists. And uh, I can't give you too many details about what happened because there's still a 21-year-old beautiful girl that for the past three months has been held captive by these terrorists. And God knows what terrible things they're doing to this girl. All because in the place that she was, they hate Christians and they kill Christians. We got it easy. Say that. I got it easy. I got it easy. We have it easy. When people mock you and they think you're weird because you're a Christian or because someone calls you El Birhen every time they see you or hear your name. What's the big deal? This girl's on the verge of death. And there's people all over the world that are persecuted because they are Christians. You know that in China, we're seeing one of the biggest moves of God. And it is illegal to be a Christian. It is illegal to convert to Christianity. And there's people in China that are waking up at 2 in the morning. Not at 9.30 to be here at 9.20 after the third song. At 10.20 after the third song. People wake up at 2 in the morning so that they can walk to a cave in the middle of the night 
So that at 3.30 they can worship God and they could hear about the Bible because they can't have a Bible. And, and, and this is not just on Sundays. This is every single day. I was watching this, this documentary and I was embarrassed for myself. Because sometimes my alarm goes off at 6.30 on Sunday mornings and I snooze it like 10 times. And it's my job to be here. I was embarrassed that these people are so passionate about knowing God. And sometimes it's so difficult for us. You don't know how many conversations I've had with the staff and, and with volunteers. And like, when do you think it's a convenient time to do this? 10, 11.30, maybe 6 p.m. after everyone's awake and had breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What's convenient? See, whenever we're allowed, whenever we allow harassment and persecution, it means that God thinks you can handle it. And if it's happening in your life, God thinks that you are strong enough. But on the other hand, if you're going through life and you're like, Mark, I have no idea what you're talking about. Think about it. Maybe God thinks you can't handle it. And today you need to, meet, you need to make a decision. Am I going to start living for God? Am I going to sell myself out to God instead of selling him out? The third thing, reason we need to rejoice, and, and this is awesome, it's because it's temporary. This isn't going to happen forever. It's just little moments in our life. Maybe we'll live to be 70, 80, 90, 98. I don't know. And then we're going to live forever and ever in the presence of God. Amen? 2 Corinthians says this, These troubles won't last very long. Yet the short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. The fifth thing, you know what? Remember your reward. Remember your reward for living for Christ. Matthew 5, 12 says, Rejoice and be glad for great is your reward. In these moments of persecution, in these moments when maybe you're a little embarrassed like I was that day in that warehouse surrounded by these 11 guys, rejoice because God is proud of you and you're going to live an eternity in his presence and the sixth thing is remain faithful. Don't give up. Joshua 1 9 says this Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you will go. God is with you. I'll promise you one thing in this world, we're going to have tough times. All right, without God, I'm sure you know a bunch of people that are having tough times time tough times and you know what stinks is that they're by themselves if you're a follower of jesus if you give your life to jesus today i promise you that you will never live another day by yourself god will live in your life he will give you the strength that you need to overcome anything that this life will bring against you he will lift you up he will protect you Remain faithful. Persevere. Do what's right. People can laugh at you till hell freezes over, but they can't stop you unless you let them. A laugh never destroyed anybody. A put down never destroyed anybody. A rejection never destroyed anybody unless you let them do it. What does it take to stop you? A little word of criticism? A threat? Somebody in your office thinking you're a weirdo because you're reading your Bible during your coffee break, 
or because you're listening to Christian music, are you going to let that break you? You're stronger than that. You are better than that. You know, back to my opening story, when these people made fun of me and called me a beat hang forever. There was one day I'm working in my office and I get a phone call. And uh, on the, it's a man. I can't understand what he's saying because he's crying. And I'm like, who is this? And he tells me his name. And I'm like, dude, are you okay? What's going on? And he said, no, I'm losing everything. I'm losing my business, my wife, my kids. Can you pray for me? I would have never had that opportunity to pray for that man if I didn't stand up for Jesus. If I didn't like suck it up, because I'll promise you, I thought about lying. I thought, oh, see, sí, buenísima. And I thought about it. I thought about just saying, hey, you know what? They maybe they'll give me more work. They're asking me all these details. I could lie. They don't know any of my friends, you know, and I could live this lie every time I walk into this warehouse, you know, just to keep face. And uh, I didn't do that. And when this guy's life was falling apart, he called me and gave his life to Jesus. And that's what God has called each and every one of you to do, to be a light in this world. I'm going to ask the band to come out. And, uh, and we're going to sing a song. I actually asked them to sing, God is able again. Because I think that we need to hear that again. Because there's people in this room right now that you're going through a difficult time in your life. I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. And God knows what it is. And we're going to worship God. And maybe you're here today and it's been a while since somebody said, oh, so you're a Christian. You're one of those hallelujah Jesus freaks, huh? It's been a while because you've learned how to like be the secret agent and kind of live in the world and be, you know, the best Boy Scout and Girl Scout ever. And, you know... If uh, anyone sneezes, you tell them, God bless you, and that's your, your ticket out the door. But maybe it's been a while that you've been living for Christ. And as we worship Him, as the band sings, we're actually going to dim the lights a little bit and just worship God. I'm going to invite you today to rededicate your life to Jesus. And say, Jesus, you know what? I come before you and I say that I am sorry. I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I'm sorry for not being a light in this world and not being the person that you have called me to be. Or maybe you're here today and you're like my friend that made fun of me for, for years. And I, I got to the point where I would even say, hey, es el virgen. You know, I just accepted it because it was true. You know, I boasted in their uh, judgment of me. I was proud to follow Jesus. But maybe you're that guy and your world is falling apart. You're alone. You're sad. You feel rejected. Maybe you have everything that this world can offer. And sometimes you look. You're on your bank account at night. And man, I got money. You look outside. I got a car. I got a hot girlfriend. I got friends. Everybody loves me. Why do I feel so empty? And can I tell you, nothing in this world will satisfy that emptiness in your life. Because that space in your heart is there for Jesus. That emptiness that you have is because Jesus is dying. Jesus died. 
He gave his life for you so that you in turn can have life and have life to the fullest. And you know what? Yeah, you heard a message about how Christians are going to be harassed and put down. And you know what? I take that gladly because I stand here today and I tell you I'm the happiest man in the world and not because of anything that I've done, but because of everything that Jesus has done for me and in my life. I am humble to even stand before you today because like Paul says that he's the chief of sinners. I stand before you today and say, I am the chief of sinners, but through Jesus, through his sacrifice on the cross, I could stand here today. And you can experience that too. So as the band sings, I'm going to invite you to come forward and say, Jesus, I give my life to you. Or maybe you're here as Jesus, you know what? I rededicate my life to you from this moment forward on Memorial Day week. And it's going to be a memorial in my life. The day that I decided to follow Jesus 100%. 100%. I'm not going to be a freak. I'm not going to put a sandwich board on and stand now in the middle of the beach and say, you're going to hell. No, I'm going to live for Jesus and every opportunity that I have to bring fame to his name, I am going to take it. And so as George sings, I invite you to stand in worship. I invite you to come forward. Maybe you're here with a friend, with your husband, with your wife, and say, hey, you know what? I want to do this, but I need to do it with you. Or maybe you brought a friend to church today and say, hey, you know what? You want to come up with me? Let's share this moment. Let it be our memory together. Let's sing our God. And as they sing, I invite you to stand and come forward. Amen.